Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Learn to Lead podcast brought to you by Ability, an experiential learning company based in beautiful Austin, Texas. I'm your host, Matthew Confer, and today on the show, we have Tina Clements, who is a vice president at the retail performance company. And before that, she spent time at HBO and at BMW. She is a contributor to Entrepreneur Magazine, and she is the author of The Art of Facilitation. Thanks so much for joining us today, Tina. Matt, thank you so much. I appreciate it. I'm going to kick us off by talking about a virtual event you hosted recently, and the title of this event was Failure is an Option, How Hard Times Prepare You for Future Success. So let's start here. Why are hard times such a powerful motivator and a powerful tool? Failure is inevitable, my friend, right? It is a, it is a part of our of any successful human's journey. So accepting it, uh, I think is the first step uh, to acknowledging that it is a powerful tool, right? It will happen. And I can tell you experientially that I appreciate, while I didn't love them, but I appreciate all of the failures and the obstacles and the mistakes and the blocks I've experienced because there's a lesson in every single one of them. And we, there's a, you know, a story I tell about how about 25 years ago, I saw this poster at a gym with a kitty hanging from a tree branch. And the, the poster said, learn from other people's mistakes because you possibly couldn't make them all on your own. Mm-hmm. And of course I was younger and I remember thinking, and I, and I kept seeing it, I was working out something that I don't, do I still do that? I don't even know what that means anymore, but I was working out. So I kept seeing the poster over and over and over again. And it so stuck with me. And I realized through my journey of failures and mistakes that I've learned so many important lessons, not only from my, but I have made them, but by sharing them, that I'm actually helping others to learn from those failures and mistakes as well. So to very specifically answer your question, it is important not only to uh, accept them and learn from these failures to help elevate you, but it's also really important to share the lessons learned so others aren't necessarily making those failures on their own. Really important. I'm always interested in career arcs, and I talked a bit about your career during the introduction, but I wanted to specifically ask you a question about your time at BMW and maybe what it taught you about leadership and how it defined the leader you are today. Was there a defining moment at BMW that potentially shaped the place that you are today that you look back on as a defining moment in your career arc? There are a few. It's a, that's a really phenomenal question. And the, the, the few that jump to my mind, believe it or not, have to do with failure. And the most prevalent one is uh, when I started RPC, which is a 50-50 joint venture with BMW, so half owned by the BMW group. And RPC is a consultancy. And when I was asked to join RPC, that was in 2013, I leapt I leapt before the net could appear. I was working in human resources uh, as the director of performance management for the entire North America country. And they said, hey, will you start this this company? And I did. And uh, I immediately realized, Matt, how 
inept I was and how ill-equipped I was and not had no experience in a startup and what I was doing. And my lesson and, and, and really the moment my leadership path and my career was uh, the fact that I, my failure in that moment is I listened to that inner critic, that noise in my head that said, you're too stupid to run a company. You can't do this. And frankly, after a few weeks of trying and doing and, and being rejected and not understanding and this and that, I went to my boss who is in Munich, actually started to resign. And I said to him, I really don't know that I'm the right person. Actually, I found a couple people here at BMW who could do a better job. And he said, and thank God he said this, he goes, no, you will be okay. It's Friday, take the weekend, I talk to you on Monday. That is my horrible German accent. I mean, no disrespect, by the way. I don't know why I did that, Matt. <laughs> and I said, what? So he took the choice of leaving off the table, which in my brain left me with the only other choice, which was to make this a success. And I didn't know it at the time, but I had been swimming in that victim state, that victim mentality, in that blame game. They set me up for failure. Nobody's helping me do this. I can't do this, et cetera. And I shifted it in that moment. And that was the lesson and the defining moment for me. It was the ability to shift perspective in a moment where I felt completely righteous and I felt completely correct in my outward statement that I shouldn't be doing this or I couldn't be doing this. So when I shifted, I accepted that, no, I can do this and I'm going to ask for help. And I, and I got many things wrong over the next couple of years. I, I priced some products wrong. <laughs> I uh, created some programs that weren't uh, meeting expectations and was able to shift my perspective and go, okay, not right this time, starting this company from nothing. And yes, of course, becoming an entrepreneur within the BMW landscape was a defining moment. But honestly, it was the moment of awareness where I said, okay, I need to shift my perspective around this. Well, that's a great question, Matt. Thank you for letting me relive that. <laughs> you, you've wrote um, about tactics before, and, and specifically an article you had wrote about five tactics to stay focused. And the first tactic above all of them was the one that resonated the most with me. And it talked about identifying your one thing. Can mm. you talk about why you wrote the article, um, how you do that, and why it's so impactful? I wrote the article for two reasons. One, there was, we had a new employee at our company who was quite young and new, and she experienced a failure, and it was because I did not teach her how to prioritize. And you would think that we as humans just instinctively know what that word means and that there's importance and how to do it. And I was reminded pretty quickly that this young person who was so smart and talented in all the things, but is just wildly inexperienced in, I'm doing air quotes, life. And so I realized, wow, we need to, we, every day, now we, we shifted tactics with her and every day I meet with her and we, I teach her by the level of this conversation to prioritize her output. And so that was the, that was the catalyst behind it. The personal catalyst that was happening at the same time as I was moving. Uh, and this was during the pandemic last year, I was moving uh, from uh, uh, selling a house, buying a new house and going through all the things. And my list, my to-do list was, was overwhelming. 
And I realized one day I sat down in the morning quietly and looked at the list and I said no, because I had been tackling it without the focus of prioritization and the one thing. And so that one day I can, I, I can literally see it in my head right now as I say this to you and feel it and feel the angst in my heart as I was going through it. And I said, okay, what can we get accomplished today? And I wrote it down on a brand new list and I prioritized it. What's critical? What's important? What are we, what is, what's important to do to get ready for the next day? And the level of tension reduction by finishing that one list in the morning was, was measurable. It was really measurable. So those are the two reasons by, it was a personal reason. I was experiencing it myself and the level of, of again, tension reduction and focus from doing it myself and teaching it to our young new employee who didn't realize how critical for her success it was to be able to prioritize. A good deal of what you've talked about is about, you know, your journey and how you've evolved. How do you think about risk taking now with all of the lessons that you've gleaned along the way? I'm a risk taker. There's no question. And now I am even more so if that's if that to the to the apprehension of my team, I will I will tell you that what I have learned through the awareness that I have choices, no matter what the obstacle, there's always these five choices that I always have. And I can go back to where I was in 2013. And, and one of my choices could be to remain a victim to it. But I have now learned, okay, hold on a second. There's four other choices. I could leave it. I could shift my perspective around it. I could accept it as it is, or I can change it. And that knowledge and that awareness has allowed me to take even more risks. Again, to the chagrin of my, of my team sometimes, we're like, here she goes again. What are we trying today? And if it doesn't work, then we can make a new choice. All right, how are we going to handle that? But it, it really experience and the knowledge and awareness around that you always have a choice, no matter what the obstacle has allowed me to be even bigger of a risk taker. Yeah. I want to talk about another article that you wrote, and I believe this one was for Entrepreneur Magazine, and it talked about the difference between training, coaching, and consultants. Can you talk a little bit about what prompted mm -hmm. you to write that article? There was a client that we had who really could not understand the difference. And in a good and and I really appreciate her because she asked. Many, many clients that we work with um, say they want a coach, but really what they're looking for is to be told what to do. So really the article came out of a conversation and some literature that I wrote for one particular client. And it was the best thing I ever could have done for this client because she now really understands the difference between not just coaching, consulting, and training, but mentorship, friendship, et cetera. There is a very big differentiator People can sometimes wear each hat. Um, the key is to know which hat to wear and as a client to know which, uh, which talent to hire for the particular need that you have. So that was the catalyst for writing the article. I was really helping a particular client that we had and it turned into this article as, a, as an afterthought, which was great. Was really beneficial. What do you think most organizations get right? And what do you think most organizations struggle the most with when it comes to recruiting and retaining top talent? 
I'm going to start with the latter. Isn't that a shame? It's easier to start with the latter, I think. Retaining top talent has, in my opinion, and what I have seen, uh, and I'm seeing it now, post-pandemic, is the ability to not necessarily give an employee what they think they want in terms of compensation, but they need to be heard and respected. That's all a human being in general really is looking for, is to be validated, to be acknowledged, to be given an opportunity to shine. And I feel like with top talent, leaders get in their own way when they are not willing to be a little vulnerable and let go of the reins and let this top talent be the top talent and fail. I express my story about failing. And again, and I failed more throughout my RPC career in the beginning. And I was very lucky to have a leader who would say, you goofed, what do we learn from that? Don't do that again. Now let's keep going. And he, he, he let me be free. And as a direct result, I feel valued here. I feel heard. I feel um, like I have the ability to structure our company knowing that he's got my back. And I think that that, and again, in my experience, that is what I have seen is one of the biggest shortcomings of a lot of organizations. What I've seen organizations do well, especially of late, I see a lot of shift in hiring practices. Still, there's a lot of room for improvement with a lot of organizations, but I have definitely seen a shift with all the technology and all the emphasis on getting it right to begin with, uh, which I actually am very excited and proud about because there's proof that if a person is onboarded really well, there's a much more likely chance that they will be loyal. So that's what I'm seeing in both directions. What are you the most curious about right now? It's probably the thing that we hear from guests time and time again is that curiosity is a huge driver of what makes them excited to come to work in the morning. What are you the most curious about given the organizations that you're working with and the time that we operate in right now? Mm-hmm. I, I am really curious about the data that will come out of this pandemic at the end of the year on uh, attrition and employee retainment rates based on treatment throughout this entire process, because that will help support what we have been um, attempting to drive home with our organizations that employee engagement is the number one most critical differentiator when it comes to the success of an organization. When you, uh, again, when you hit a conflict, a crisis, by the way, it will happen. Every organization will have a tree fall on the company in whatever shape that takes. It will happen. How you handle it will drive your success. So I am incredibly curious to see how all the data plays out at the end of this when we can measure the results for employee engagement. That is a wonderful spot to shift to our final two rapid fire questions that I get to ask all of our guests. And rapid fire question number one is this, if you could describe your leadership style in just one word, what would that word be? Acknowledger. And the final rapid fire question is this, what is the best piece of advice that you have ever received? If you can predict it, you can prepare for it.
Thank you so much for joining us today. Where can our listeners find out more about you? rpcamerica.com. And I would love to hear from all of your listeners. Well, thank you for all of the great insight. And thanks to all of our wonderful listeners for joining us. If you enjoyed today's show, we would love a rating and review in your podcast app of choice. Taking an extra minute to rate and review our show really helps out. And of course, we truly appreciate it when you share our show with somebody from your network. You can find me on social media at Matthew Confer, and you can find our show on Instagram by searching for Learn to Lead Podcast. Our podcast is produced by Ability, which you can find by searching for Ability Leadership Development. And make sure you also check out our 12-week fully virtual mini-MBA, which is now entering its third year. This mini-MBA is a nights and weekends program that features experiential learning, mentorship, case studies, and networking. We now have a robust alumni network, and you can find more information at invitedmba.com. Be sure to subscribe to our podcast so that you get our next episode. And I want to thank all of you for joining us on the Learn to Lead podcast.